thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. Hey, we are in week eight uh, of our Colossians series. If you've got your Bibles, let's go Colossians chapter four. Um, And last week we went really uh, kind of finished up some of the heavy doctrine uh, in Colossians. And then we've got just this farewell here. And I want to dive into this because sometimes this is what we read rather quickly, maybe in your Bible reading, kind of go through genealogies in the Old Testament a little bit quickly. Maybe some of these farewells, you know, greet uh, Ethiopius and uh, Eucalyptus and all the different, you know, people at the end. Um, but I want to dive into that today and talk a little bit about relationships because I think one of the key things that we see in Paul is dynamic relationships. I think one of the great things that we could develop as a local church is incredible friendships and community and relationships. And so there's some key ideas here in this text. And so we're going to go after that. If you've got your Bibles, let's go. Colossians 4, verse 7 says this. Tychicus, great name, Tychicus. I don't know if that's how you say it. Tychicus, whatever. We'll. We'll just apologize in heaven. I'm not sure how you say that name. Uh, Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother. So you see Paul kind of getting excited about Tychicus. Like he just kind of erupts with some commentary about his friend Tychicus. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may, here's the word, here's why he's coming, encourage your hearts. There's a goal, there's a mission, there's a purpose. I want him to encourage you. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother. So a little bit of the same commentary. And he adds, I love this phrase, dear brother. It's affectionate. It's, he's a faithful minister. So So you've got ideas here in this first one. You've got, he's a servant of the Lord. You've got, he's a faithful minister. You've got, he's a dear brother. It's relational. It's vertical. He's connected. uh, And it's also missional. He's he's got a ministry. So these are not small things because he's really giving the character, the content of who these guys are. And I see Paul just delighting in wanting to even finish up naming some of these people that have walked with him. Our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. So Onesimus is one of you. He's probably from the church in Colossae. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, we've changed his name for obvious reasons, <laughs> The dude walks around and says his name's Jesus. Let's just call you justice, brother. Also sends greetings. These are, the only, these are the only Jews among my coworkers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a faithful comfort to me. So Paul adds on here, these guys have comforted me. I look at it as brothers, friends, comrades. They've helped me in these challenging times. Verse 12, Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, which implies Paul has seen it. Paul's giving a testimony of seeing Epaphras. He prays for you. I've seen it. I've seen him doing this. This is what he's doing for you. Or maybe he tells me about it. But nonetheless, this is who he is. This is what he does for you. 
that you may stand firm in the will of God, mature and fully assured. So he cares about your maturity. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Herapolis. Our dear brother, Luke, the doctor, intriguing. Onesimus was a runaway slave. Now Paul talks about a doctor, our, our, our brother, our dear friend, Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Verse 15, give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. So this lady who has a house church, she's got a church operating in her house. So he's naming people in Colossae. After this letter has been read to you, see that it also is read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. Little, I don't know if that's a good day or a hard day for Archippus. Got a little director from Paul, a little kick in the pants. Read this in front of everybody. Get with it, Archippus. I, Paul, write this greeting in my... Thank you, Will. I, I, got, a, I got an amen from an MDiv. That's a good day. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. So he's saying, so I'm writing you, remember my chains. Great phrase. We're going to come to that at the end. Grace be with you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray, Lord God, that you would help us develop, cultivate dynamic relationships, community, friendships in our house. God, even as we read about Paul and the intentional relationships, it's not on an island. He's not alone. Even in prison, he's writing other people. He's talking about other prisoners. He's doing community even in dire circumstance. May we also do relationships well. Thank you for what you're going to do. We love you. Alvarez said amen. Uh, I'm a bit of a sports fan, and so uh, my opening is a little bit kind of focused in on some people that love the NBA. What's up, what's up? And so 2014, Kevin Durant gives this MVP speech. It went down kind of famous because he receives the MVP for the whole league in the NBA, and it's famous because he looks at his mom who raised he and his brother, and he says, you're the real MVP. You can, you can YouTube it. Pretty great. Everybody kind of loved it. It's one of the more memorable MVP in the NBA speeches, but also in that he shouts out everybody from the team. So it's an individual award, but he's saying, but I want to shout out, take the moment that I have in the spotlight to shout out everybody on the team. Here, Paul, at the end of chapter, uh, of chapter four, says, I write this in my own hand. So he's writing to the church in Colossae, but out of the overflow, he can't help but be relational. So we know that Paul is extremely intellectual. We know that Paul is intelligent. We know that Paul is the one who is writing out clear doctrine. We have spent seven weeks in it. And at the end of this intellectual, doctrinal, I mean, strong content, you've got this relational Christ follower that just can't help but spit out some of the people that he dearly loves. My dear brother, a faithful servant, a minister. I think one of the most dynamic pieces of walking in the local church is walking in real relationships. And one of the things that's easy to do is to develop a Sunday mask, and even have doctrine memorized, smiles on our faces, be able to sing those songs, you are worthy, you're awesome. And yet, one of the big markers to kind of test and look at how healthy am I is to go interpersonal and look at the the context of playing out Christianity in the day-to-day. Like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, What do my relationships look like? So in addition to 
what I believe and what I say on a Sunday or what I put on Facebook or in social media. It's very easy to have some of those things look great and my relationships falling apart. But here at the end, we kind of get a moment where we get to pull back the curtain and just look into the interpersonal life of Paul. And he can't help but erupt with delight for some of his comrades. He's just excited about some of the specific relationships. And oftentimes, when you do healthy relationship with Christian comrades who are on mission with you, even you could take a minister of the gospel, a devoted follower of Christ, a dear brother, you become relationally close. And maybe you too, like Paul, could just erupt. Instead of erupting with cynicism, erupting with negativity, interrupting with everybody going to let me down. They always do. You are the life-giving person that can't help but talk about, oh, that boy, platypus. No, just kidding. That boy, whomever, is a delight. Tychicus, servant, beautiful thing. I was remembering in the fall of 2016 uh, when the first time that I introduced Nathan and Nathan came and preached on a Sunday who was just up here a moment ago. Nathan and I had been friends for years. He lived in Cincinnati and I lived in Colorado and we hadn't done life together. But for a year, we had been, uh, I mean, sweating in trailers together, like loading and unloading, dreaming hours on end, uh, writing, praying, And just kind of that all in as we went to start a new church. And by the time that it came for me to introduce Nathan, I was a wreck. Like I was crying, which I know is not new. You guys go, yeah, he does that every Sunday. But anyway, but what was it? It was, it was, it was that same kind of moment. Oh, it's that, that my dear brother, my, this, this servant of the Lord, this guy, awesome. You don't even know. And the dream is for us to do life so closely with Jesus and so well with one another that you too can develop close camaraderie, close friendships. And I think even to the place where it's easy to have some shout outs just flowing from you, where it's just kind of part of the culture to just give these. Look at these. He's got, Paul gives Tychicus. He gives Onesimus, Aristarchus, Mark, Justice, Epaphras, Luke, Demas, And here's relational Paul, and he just can't help but spill out this relational delight. And I was thinking about this as like looking behind the curtain, because like when we read chapter one, we name the series after 118, where it says, he alone is preeminent, Christ in all, above all. And Paul's got these strong statements of Christology, who Christ is. He's above all. He is supreme, the supremacy of Christ in all things. And you get this great, these great ideas, this great doctrine from Paul. And so maybe at the ending, which we get in a lot of the epistles, but we're just taking it for this one because we're working through Colossians. When you get this looking behind the curtain and you go, ah, oh, this is how he does life. He gives accolades. He, 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 He says what he sees. One of the best things you can see as a Christian is see it in somebody and say it. So I see God at work in your life. I see you're a servant. I see the way that you disciple kids. I see joy in the midst of challenges. I see the way that you pray in all circumstances. I see. And so just say what you see. I uh, remember years ago, uh, 
uh, we, I used to do youth conferences. I've been doing youth conferences uh, since I was 19. But I remember one year where the budgets were high and the lights were big and it was, everything was going well. And we brought in multiple worship leaders uh, to lead at the conference, big lights. At that year, it was, this, it was like a spider light, you know, as teenagers. And, um, and I just remember just two different worship leaders that year. And I remember the first one on stage, and he was humble. He was funny. He'd make little jokes between uh, songs. And he was, um, he was a delight. He, was, uh, he, was, he felt raw. He felt gritty. And he, sometimes he even sang some older songs and helped 14-year-olds fall in love with older songs. And I thought that was really cool. And I, and I loved him. I thought he was great. And then there was another guy that we brought in. And he was like... I mean, looked like he stepped out of a magazine. He did all of his own songs. And he was like, you could feel the kids just like loving this worship leader. Like his album was at the top and he was where, I mean, this was when skinny jeans were cool. Now we're moving to where they're like yesteryear and you got to wear baggy, skinny, baggy, skinny, baggy, skinny, baggy. But, but, but back then that was cool. And he had his hair right. And man, he just looked like like Goliath up there. Like the first guy had slain his thou. Oh no, that's the other way. I mean, he just looked so, like he looked awesome. And he was doing great. And, it, and both of them were just dynamic. I mean, both of them lights out on stage, both a 10. And this guy, between sessions, I was pulling out of the parking lot and I saw him with a group where their van said, Dumas, Texas. And I looked out and the worship leader that had just led thousands was in the parking lot playing a game with teenagers going, whoa. Hwah, hwah. And I rolled down the window and I go, what are you doing? And he goes, what's up? This is the youth pastor. His name is whatever. And these kids are from Dumas. And I'm just hanging out playing me some Wah. And I just thought, that's awesome. That's awesome. Later on, uh, I, during a session, I, I saw him. And he was standing on a ladder in the hallway of the church talking to a lady who was washing windows and she worked in hospitality for our church. And he's up on the ladder, up high. And I looked at him, I go, what are you doing? And he goes, hey, this is, he said the lady's name. And she's been working here for seven years. She has two kids. And I just had a little extra time. We've already done our rehearsal. I've already done a mic check. I just thought I'd wash some windows. And I thought, man, behind the curtain, you the man. Right? Behind the curtain. Wow. Serving. Connecting making teenagers feel like a million bucks. And obviously, with this other dude, it was the opposite. Or else I wouldn't be telling this illustration. I mean, just like, he looked at me like, another day, another gig, can't wait to get on the airplane and leave. And I looked at him like, can't wait for you to get on that airplane and leave. You know, like, who you think you is, brah? You know, like, just go. Right? Because between sessions, he was like, turned back, gave him, you know, we gave him some water and he said, nah, I want room temperature water. And I was just like, just, just go, brother. Just, just, just bless you and be well fed, but not here. You know, just like, uh, like get on with it, you know? And, 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 and it, was, it, was, it was a whole different response, but a chance behind the curtain made you kind of realize, I really like, which, I really like this one, a little less of this one. I think this text helps us see a little bit behind the curtain of Paul. And he's got vital, dynamic, intentional 
encouraging relationships. So you've got one of these guys that's a fellow prisoner. It's an interesting dynamic. So fellow prisoner in the prison, Paul is what he says he is. You've got another one where Paul's sending a servant and Tychicus is going. Imagine the dignity that Tychicus actually had by delivering what would later be added in the canon of scripture. But in the moment, Tychicus had no idea. He, had no, he just thought he was doing just another task. I'm just doing a favor for Paul. But it turns out that is the text that we would later read and the amount of millions of people whose lives have been edified by the letter. You don't know all that God's doing through your faithfulness in what seems like a small task. You don't know if you're Epaphras, how God's using your faithfulness and prayers. You, you don't know if you're justice and you're comforting Paul that you're going to get a shout out and be written in the word of God forever. You just, formerly Jesus, now called justice, just comforting a buddy, right? And here's what I want to invite you to. Much of the time, we live in a world where we can post anything online, where we can say anything on a Sunday, and yet who you are, those real relationships that you do the rest of the week with, let it be a window to see how healthy we really are. Let it be a moment where it's in the after hours, not the visible hours, that you are walking closely with Jesus and developing those relationships. Now, I've been around so many people that feel like, I just feel like I, I don't have friends. I want to invite you to do some of the things that we see some of these guys doing. Like what would happen if you just decided, I'm going to serve like Tychicus, serve like Tychicus, right? It's a wrap. I mean, just go, mm, serve like Tychicus. What is he doing? He's just, and, and, and it's in the nature of serving. So for example, that illustration that I gave about Nathan, right? Sometimes people think, I just want somebody to see me, somebody to notice me, and if then we'll be friends. But it's actually in the context of serving and side by side, helping one another, that you'll start to realize how often friendship is formed when you're doing something that you're called by God on mission. Let me give you a few thoughts here. Number one, Christian friendship forms around Jesus. C.S. Lewis said this, is any pleasure on earth as great as a circle of Christian friends by a fire? Is anything as great? So there's a lot of things that can unite us, but when Jesus is the root, when Jesus is what unites us, that's the form of the greatest form of friendship. So there could be some great friendships around football. There can be some great friendships around uh, singing. There can be some great friendships around uh, any, any subject. Yet the greatest uniting, the form of friendship in world history is Christ. It really is. You just go all in on chapter one. That if you unite around what is supreme and preeminent, you'd be surprised how those friendships last longer, go deeper. Second idea is this. Christian friendships unite around purpose. Unite around purpose. So, easy for people to think, I just want somebody to commit to me. I want to invite you to this. Surrender to Christ. Then, step two that we do in, our, in spiritual gift assessment and next steps, or you on your own, discovering spiritual gift, what God's called you to, and then going shoulder to shoulder, fulfilling the call of God on your life. You'll be surprised the friendships and the camaraderie that come along the way. So it's actually in purpose or in mission. Instead of, I just wish somebody would see me or notice me or love me, you look over and you're surprised. I, I'm just, 
I'm walking with Jesus, doing the mission that God's called me to. And you can't do everything, but you can do what God's called you to do. You can walk in the purpose that God has for you. And you look over and you're surprised by the comrades that God brings for the journey. So like Renata, my bride, we are face to face. Marriage covenant, it's like, I'm in love with you, girl. It's just, mm, right? But my friendships, friendships have looked different in different seasons based upon mission and purpose. So sometimes there's some very close friendships that, that are amazing because we're, we're doing life together. We're living with purpose. Like what I illustrated with Nathan right now, we're in the thick of it. It's just easy to be really, really close. Temptation. Live in a culture so consumer, so narcissistic, so about me. And then it's easy to want other people. You'll be my friend if you're about me. And you try to develop friendships where they're about you, and you'll watch. You'll funnel through them. It's, it's, it's self-worship. You want to build friendships. Surrender your life to Christ. Look at what have you called me to do, and you'll look over, and you'll be shocked that you'll have kingdom comrades. Because instead of just fill that empty void in my life, I wish you'd be my friend, see how great I am. You are, how great is our God, worthy. He is preeminent. He is supreme. He is over all. And I have discovered what God's called me to do, and I'm doing it. And so while I'm serving and making disciples of teenagers, I look over, and there's other people that are committed to that. Or while I'm, I'm Epaphras, and I'm praying, and I'm crying out to God for a move of God in Kansas City or for revival, I look over, and what do you know? There's another intercessor right there with me. You would be surprised the friends that God has for you if you're fully surrendered to God. And instead of filling up your life time management with all the different things that just make me feel fulfilled, me keeping up with everybody else, actually prioritize a surrendered life where I carry out doing relationships on mission together. You'd be surprised. Uh, Timothy Keller, he said it this way. Uh, sorry, C.S. Lewis said, friendship is born at that moment when one person says to another, what, you too? I thought I was the only one. What, you too? I thought I was the only one. Ah, you're living on mission. You feel called to that. Third idea is this, and we get this where I just love where Paul shouts out, three guys that have encouraged him or comforted him. And I think this is so critical. Where he says, Jesus, who is called justice, also sends greeting. These are the only Jews among the co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. So I'd invite you to look at Christian friendships strengthen through encouragement. Strengthen through encouragement. Eugene Peterson said, friendship is a much underestimated aspect of spirituality. It's every bit as significant as prayer and fasting, like the sacramental use of water and bread and wine. Friendship takes what is common in human experience and turns it into something holy. So American spirit for us in our culture is, I can do it, me focused. But you'd be surprised one of the great joys and delights in life is the right friendship, the right table, the conversation, about Christ, you're on mission, and it becomes something holy. It becomes, I delight in this. I love this. You'd be surprised what's behind that curtain if you'll go there, if you'll intentionally choose it and encourage one another and speak it. One of the things that happens sometimes with encouragement, 
is you'll have a really encouraging person in your church and people will just, we're so consumed in a culture filled with just, just straight up hedonism and narcissism. Someone will encourage you and you'll just get puffed up with pride instead of recognizing that's God's gift. And I want to emulate that and develop that in my own life. In 2006, I got a letter from a pastor that said, David, love what God's doing in our students because of the youth conference that you did. Way to go. And as 29 immature David, you know what I did? I framed it, put it on my desk and told Renata, what's up now? I've arrived. Look how great I is, baby. Right? But 39-year-old David got a letter from the same pastor when we planted this church. And by 39, I had a totally different response that was like, wow, that guy is an encourager. Didn't matter the content. It mattered. He was doing it out of Christ-likeness in him. Right? I want to invite you to go there. Men, this is hard for us. I don't know why, but it's hard. It's often hard, challenging for guys to just constantly say what you see and be an encourager. Yet, if you'll, if you'll develop some of this, you'll watch. You will be, it will be hard for you to keep up with the blessing of God in your life. It will hard for you, be hard for you to keep up with the Christian comrades. I'm all for every kind of friendship where we're on mission together. Like, hey, I'm going to reach people that are far from God and develop a friendship. But don't substitute that for Christian friendship because it's a battle out there and you need brotherhood, sisterhood. You need it. How many, how many friends do we have that we've seen struggle, quit, the love of many grow cold, which is intriguing because one of the eight people that Paul puts in this list here in this church, in this letter to Colossae is Demas, which later in second Timothy four, we read last letter that Paul writes when he's oldest, when he, the last one that we have. And that's the one where he says things like, I fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now what is the door for me? I mean, he's old sounding when he writes that one, right? So I'm not dying, right? And in that one, he says, and Demas, who has left me because he loved this world. So here's Paul, encouraged by Demas, adding him as a shout out in Colossae. And later on, he's got, and Demas, because he loved this world, gave up on me. Do you know how many friends I've had that said, this Christian betrayed me, left me, hurt me. I'm out on Jesus because of one Christian. Let me just warn you right now. I'm your pastor. I get to tell you, get ready. You're all going to have Demas's over and over again. I mean, that's hard, but, but we know, we know that the love of many will grow cold. We know that people backbite and hurt. So even Paul had a Demas. Even Paul kept going and encouraging young Timothy when he had a friend that left him. And one of the great things for us to recognize is you will too, but it is Christ that is supreme. It is Christ that is worth it all. You signed up for this because of Jesus. So you're grateful for every friendship, but they're not your Lord. They're not your savior. There is one who doesn't let you down. It's Jesus, right? And along the way, man, you're going you're gonna to make some great friends and you'll probably have some people that on Instagram DM you and say, how dare you? That's what it looks like in 21st century America. 
Let me tell you what I think about you, brother. Or even worse, I'll put it on my story, right? <laughs> so I would invite you to think through, okay, how can I grow? I, I, I think some of the ways. I, you want to develop a great, great friendships? Well, let's learn from Paul's friends and be the friend you want to have. So jump all in. Serve like Tai Chikis. Watch kingdom friendships grow. A lot of people don't have any friends because they're so consumed with self, they won't serve somebody else. They ain't going to take no time serving nobody. That won't make me a dollar. Why would I do that? Okay. Let Christ-likeness grow inside of you where you're intentionally looking for, God, how have you called me to serve? Okay. Who can I comfort? Here's justice. Three listed. We'll go with justice because that's my son's name. What's up? Comfort like justice. Look for a way. Who can I encourage, comfort, bring strength to? Maybe pray like Epaphras. Clearly in the text there, he's talking about Epaphras, who's an intercessor for Colossae. But you know Paul sees it. Paul's talking to me. He's going, he's always wrestling for you in prayer. Man, one of the best things you could do is become one of the list intercessors that say, how can I pray for you and actually do it? I love all kinds of intercessors. I love presence intercessors. That's me. Like me, I just want to cry and talk to God. Oh, I love that. Turn on Alexa, worthy of it all. Right? I love that. That's awesome. Some of the best things you can do is just be like a Epaphras and say, I'm going to cry out to God for Kansas City. I'm going to pray for our student ministry. I'm going to pray for our small groups. I'm going to pray for our dream team. I'm going to pray for our trustees. I'm going to pray for the city. I'm going to be an intercessor and you'll find some intercessor friends and you'll have other people be like that guy, that girl. Wow. wow I, just, I, want to, I want to pray like that. I got somebody in my life right now that's praying so strong. I'm just like, I want to be their friend because I want to pray like that. So then Paul comes around and he flips at the end here and he says, remember my chains. Here's Paul, the great apostle. And he's remembered the church in Colossae and he's written four chapters. Here you go. I remember you. I remember the house church in Nympha's house. I, I remember Archippus, get with boy. Come on, let's go. I remember my eight comrades. I've remembered you. Now, will you remember me? Will you remember me? Remember my chains. I'm, here I am, bound to a guard. I'm suffering. Will you remember me? I just find it intriguing to say, remember, and not just remember me, but remember my chains. Remember my pain. One of the best ways to be the people of God is to be a community of remembrance where you just remember people. Paul's listing people's names. He remembers their names. He remembers the struggle. He remembers, hey, here's their gift. Here's their name. Here's their spiritual gift. Here's their struggle. I remember. So, so one of the best things that you can do. Now, in a moment like this, you can say, yeah, I need a church where they remember my name. That's the problem with this church. Ain't nobody ever remember my name, right? No, don't be a victim. Be a disciple. Yeah. Just choose right now. No, I'm going to remember people, and I'm going to remember their name, and I'm going to remember their story. I'm going to remember their, their gift. This is what's on you. I heard it when you sang. I, I, I love the way you serve. I, I love the way you pick up. I love the way you disciple kids. I like the way you serve in kids' ministry. Hint, hint, what's up now? I mean, you know, like, I love it. I see it on your life. I remember it. It's one of the best things we can do as a people of God. Paul says it, remember my chains. He's saying, remember me. 
He often says it. Cheers got it right. You want to go where everybody knows your name? And they're talking about a bar. Imagine if the church was better than that, right? That's, that's, that's the dream, right? When Renata and I were uh, dating, uh, it was back in the day where we had CDs, and we were both broke. She served uh, as a server, and I was a youth pastor, i.e. both broke. And um, she only had one CD in her car. It was Sarah McLaughlin, right? She's, you know where this is going, right? I will remember you. Will you remember me? We were like, back then we were like, she's going to do an internship in Colorado. Is this, what are you saying here? You know, but I got that song in my head, right? It's that. I, I will remember. I'm going to remember who you, I want to remember you. I'm telling you, it's powerful. It's powerful when you lock in and choose. And you know what's one of the amazing things? When you lock in with the good, what God has done in your life, and you're able to verbalize, here's what God has done for me, in me. It can become the primary place where you use it as a platform, as a way to connect with other people to remember them. You won't remember everybody here. It's impossible. So you won't remember hundreds, but you can remember the one or the two or the three. You could even choose a number. Paul lists eight people here. Maybe you have your three. I'm going to remember three people. I'm going to remember what's your story, what's your name, what's your journey. And what I have found is the very places of my pain later become my places of ministry. My, the, the things that God has done in my life in the past become the place where I can connect with people. So like a plethora of stories have come in. Plethora, sorry. Plethora? All right. Three amigos. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, but, but I have this opportunity right now where people are DMing me, emailing me, talking to me about, hey, my mom or dad, my parent is in the hospital with whatever, sometimes COVID, sometimes something else. Will you pray for them? You know why? Because you know how fresh it is for me, the memory of my dad in the hospital? It's fresh. And so it's actually my point of ministry because I can remember what that's like. I can remember not too long ago when I was facing that moment. And it gives me an opportunity to minister. I, I was just, a, a couple weeks ago, Nathan preached when I was in Fort Myers. Here's the rest of that story. That, that, the reason why I was in Fort Myers because I was speaking at the youth conference of the church of a lady who came up to me in 2005 and said, hey, I have a bullied son that's a teenager. He's struggling. I heard your story. Will you pray for my son? I want him to be a follower of Jesus. I don't want him to give up. And I looked at this lady and I said, sure, I'll pray for your son. Well, that first, that lady who's a youth pastor, she became my friend. And then her husband, who's a pastor, he became my friend. And lo and behold, I got to meet the bullied son, who now is a 29-year-old youth pastor who said, hey, we want to put on a youth conference just like Bold. And so he went and created his own, his own youth conference. And I spoke at his youth conference and then spoke at their church. Here's where it started. I was bullied, prayed for a 15-year-old that had been bullied, right? 
Here's my point. It's very easy for full people to never remember the hungry. It's very easy for warm people to never remember the cold. It's very easy for people that everything is going well financially to never remember the poor. But if you'll look for the ways that God has worked in your life, I'm telling you, it's a gateway into an automatic opportunity to remember the hurting around you. There was a day where I was in debt. There was a day where I was picked a thing. There was a day where I was sick. There was a day where I was lonely. There was a day where my, my, my child was sick. And then, man, that's your immediate connect to be the people of God. So you walk in here on a Sunday, you join a small group, you're online, and man, you got people. They remember you. My dream for us, we'd be better than cheers, baby. You walk into Radiant, and it's a place. It's a community of remembrance. It's a community of friends. It's a house of friends. And, and it's, it's people committed to these friendships. Not just a Sunday morning, what's up, sing the song, how you doing, bless you, but in the thick of it through the week. Mm. Can I tell you, in the digital age, this is a lot of digital age gets a lot of guff from preachers. Our favorite thing is to make fun of smartphones, right? But one of the great things about a smartphone is it's a great opportunity to encourage one another daily. I mean, you can pa 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 pa, and you can be you can be building one another up so easy. And my dream for us is that we would be that, that we would be we would have such a well of relationship, such a depth of relationship that just overflowing out of you is what's up, Dan? The way that he worships, man, uh, Archippus, uh, uh, you know, who named it? But you've got people in this context that you just bam, 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 and just say it. You're just filled with delight. All right, let's stand together. Let's pray together, and we'll go. We just hold out your hands and let's just pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for, Lord, what you're doing in our house. And I pray, Lord God, that relationships would be thick. I pray, Lord Jesus, God, that we would build true friendships. Spirit of God, I pray for people that even currently, online or in the room, have already gotten bitter because they've had a couple demises in their life and they just thought they'd punt on Christ. And I pray, oh God, would you be preeminent? Jesus, would you be supreme? Would our friendships form around you? Do a work. Strengthen us. I pray for God, even as we go into the fall semester of small groups, I ask, Lord God, that we would be relationally connected and close. I pray that we'd encourage one another Holy Spirit, I pray that you would be at work in the friendships in our house. God, we love you. Would you just be an intercessor? Just we'll go old school Epaphras for one moment. We just pray for one person that you know in our church, just for a moment. Just one person. Just be that intercessor for a moment. Lift that person up to the Lord. Maybe you're in the room or you're online today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. Jesus is supreme. He is preeminent. He is Lord of all. And the only response is be the Lord of my life. If today you want to make a decision to follow Jesus, we want to give you that opportunity. Here's what I'd like you to just pray. This isn't the only thing you say to him. It's a good way to start. Jesus. I surrender my life to you. 
have it all. Take everything that I am. Give me new life in Christ. I give you my life. Make me a new person. Do a fresh work inside of me. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want to encourage you. If you're in the room, you can just tell us online on, that, on the website. If you're online, you can do the same. But just go on there. We want to go on the journey with you. We're going to help you get connected to a small group and go on your journey with Jesus. Hey, everybody in the room and online, can we give a big hand to everybody that just made that decision to follow Jesus? It's the best. Yeah. Mm, 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 mm.